Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Chad Adams, your guest host sitting in here on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. A pleasure and honor. It's been a two-week stint between Pete's show and Brett's show, and it has been uh, just a blast. You guys are fantastic. The staff, the, the people running the board and, uh, today, Tommy, I believe, and, and all of them. Just a stellar team and, and, and much appreciation from this guest host. Uh, I don't know. You heard that. You heard that. That was that was the sound of angst in my voice. Uh, it, it's kind of it's not a stutter. It's uh, not ambivalence. It's not even agnosticism. It is a a true angst, as you would say, angst in my voice. Because as we head closer, it's it it is amazing to me. An amazing, probably too strong a word. I, I, there's two things I'm constantly amazed. I'm constantly amazed at the ability to accomplish things that humankind exhibits, from air travel to uh, mass communications, the internet, a bazillion, even the AI stuff. I know it's there's a lot to be fearful of, but it's kind of like people were fearful of cars or mass production or anything else. Every tool that can be used for bad, evil, can be used for good, and so AI is just a continuation of hey. Can I get an Atari for my house? <laughs> it's just AI is the continuation of that. It's not the continuation of the Terminator mover, movies, although it has that minority report, uh, you know, uh, the rise of the robots, iRobot, things like that. It And we can reflect upon Ray Bradbury and Isaac Asimov and all the great sci-fi writers that throw the future into this very dark realm, you know, the brave new world kind of way of looking at it. But the truth is it's, it's often a motley assortment of, we we're still kind of primitive in some ways as critters and at the same time we're capable of amazing good and i I think the medical breakthroughs that could be ushered in with ai presage everything but at the same time it is it the job market will change ai is having that impact not just that but like i mean who would have thought five years ago if i said you know what you're going to go to the grocery store and you're going to check out your own groceries and a lot of people would have said, what? No. I know the people that do that, the, the, the registers that do that at Walmart, they, just, they scan them. Nope. You'll do it. And you'll be glad. And it'll be either the shortest or longest line in the store. And then that'll continue. Now, I'm waiting till everything has an RFID chip. And then you, whenever you pull something off the shelf, when you just push your cart through the scanner, it's done. And then you go box your stuff up and walk out the door. That's not fine. I'm amazed right now. And I, I pay with my watch. I go up. I click my watch. I'm done. I walk out. So the more it changes, the more it stays the same. We're just going to be, uh, we're constantly evolving and changing in subtle ways. And 10 years from now, you won't recognize the things that we do today. Now, if you want to get in on the conversation, feel free to do so. 704-570-1110. 704-570-1110. Always welcome to be a part of the show. I'm going to get to a couple of things. I do have the weird story of the day that I'll finish up the show with today, and it has to do with beavers. And that's funny enough but i want to start with it's hard for conservatives republicans are a different lot they can be all over the political map but conservatives are and libertarians are, are they 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 see things in a very linear logical way 
they see rights and freedoms and liberty in, in a very it's hard to believe a lot of people want to say conservatives are not tolerant and that that's not true i, I find conser- true conservatives to be very tolerant they and libertarians even more so but the least judgmental i'm not talking about christian conservative that's that's a little different but straight up governmental conservatives are extremely tolerant people they want everyone to be treated equally they want to get out of people's lives they want lower taxes less government they don't believe government solves problems they have a very kind of narrow not a narrow view a very broad view of the constitution and they see the the founding documents as a way to get government to tell government what its limits are here are your limits here's what we already have as freedom as human beings and here's the purpose of government it delineates those things very clearly and over time we've changed it altered it made it stronger and better with respect to who can vote who has you know everyone's included but the left doesn't look at things that way they look at things very differently it's not it's not a judgment it's it's the reality of of the way progressives look at the world they're generally not as happy they're angry uh, they they see a, an unjust world they see a racist world they see uh, they always see people in terms of victimhood that someone's being made a victim of, and it must be addressed. It's always that. That's why it's derived of anger. Where it becomes manifest to me, and I think that that Donald Trump's entry into the political world was like pouring gasoline on that progressive angry fire. He had a way. He was the first, the first real threat to the D.C. paradigm. He was the first real threat to the, what we call the swamp. He called it, so everyone calls it the swamp now. But he was the first real threat to that. Most Republicans to that point in time were just good at and have been historically good at just kind of slowing the rampant growth of government down. They didn't, they never put the kibosh on things. They never stopped things. They didn't defund, uh, you know, they didn't stop some of the, the, the Department of Education, for instance, or the Department of energy or anything. They, things that should be turned over to the states and everything. They talked about it. Heck, Republican presidents didn't even recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. They said they would. Democrats and Republicans alike from Jimmy Carter onward said they would, but they didn't. Trump did. Trump was the first existential threat to the way in which Democrats and progressives saw government. They And, and because of that, they had so a lot of the things, and, and I'm going to go through this because this is not a love of Trump and Macedonia. This is a, an observation about the way in which things have gone down. Because when I, whenever I got into, I, I have several friends that can't stand Trump, and I asked them, and they're like, "Well, Trump is chaos. Trump brings chaos." Trump, and I'll say, "Well, what what did he do to you?" And I know that's that's a that's a deeply sophomore way to look at it, and they don't have anything. And I say, well, what did what? How was he a threat to the Republican? They go to January sixth, and I said, have you read his tweets from that day? Have you have you looked at it? how come they haven't convicted him? You know of 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 this the the Fourteenth Amendment stuff, the insurrection. No one's convicted him. Even the Colorado Supreme Court just alleged it. They convicted him kind of in absentia and at a distance without a conviction. They just alleged that the conviction had taken place. That's why it's going to be overturned. It, but I want to get into that. Because I think it's it's very important that we understand why the left despises him so much. And, and it I don't think it has to do with his policies. I think what it has to do with is what if the American public really understands that D.C. can fundamentally be changed? 
What if the American public realizes that we can deconstruct the federal government and break it down and turn a lot of stuff over to the states? Because once the American public believes that, it's very problematic for the D.C. elites to really keep their hands in your pocket in your and keep their their thought police in place to keep. And again, I don't say I'm, I'm not meaning conspiratorially, but definitely the left sees the power of government to exert itself over your lives. And a proper conservative sees the opposite. They want government to get out of your lives more and more. So Trump represents an existential threat. And I want to get, there's a piece in the New Yorker that I think illustrates well the way in which the left sees this. And I want to go through that because I think it's kind of, your, your eyes are going to get a little wide and you're going to say, whoa, I, I never really thought of that level of, of hatred and, and how, why do they hate him so much? But this, and, and it's what they believe to be true about him that's also worth talking. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? This kind of myopic view from the left. Susan Glasser wrote this piece for the New Yorker and I think it worth mentioning because it, it I think it frames if you want to seek to understand how other people see things, and it's hard. It's really hard sometimes to understand this because you have to have a very limited worldview, and you have to have a lot of preconceived notions to buy into this. But a lot of people who read The New York think exactly like this, and a lot of lefties that I know think like this. It's hard to understand it, but once you do, it kind of clicks, and you go, ah, doesn't mean it makes sense, but you understand it. It's kind of like, hey, I... Don't understand why grunions, you know, do the things they do, but they do. They're genetically wired to be grunions out on the sand. So for years on the threshold of a critical election year that would decide whether Donald Trump won another term in the White House, I asked a German friend of mine from the Brookings Institute. There's the beginning of this right into the Brookings left leaning to come up with a one of those long Teutonic words for the state of constant gnawing anxiety that Trump's disruptive tenure inspired. And I'm thinking, what was disruptive? about his tenure. I mean, we didn't go have world wars. We we stood up, you know, NATO forced them to pay their fair share. We The UN was actually more accountable. Uh, people didn't challenge us as much abroad. The border was becoming more secure. The The economy was doing quite well. We had this, this crazy pandemic thing that was an overreaction by government. But by and large, it wasn't, there was nothing that you have to wonder, what is the disruptive part? My, my friends can never tell me what the, the disruptive part was the left's reaction to Trump. They were very disruptive. Russia, 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 all the, you know, the impeachment shenanigans. But let's keep going. She came back with a true mouthful, a 33-letter concoction. It's a very long word. They reduced it down to Trump schmurs. It means something like Trump worry, but on steroids. At the time, I defined it as the continuous pain or ache of the soul that comes from the excessive contemplation of the slow motion Trump car crash. And again, there was no Trump car crash. 
the country was fine. I love how people say he's a he's a threat, but they never tell you what, what's that threat. Oh, it's a constitution. I, I, I'm a dictator. He said he'll be a dictator on day one. He didn't. In fact, he did just the opposite of what the Democrats are doing, which is consolidating, doing dictatorial things, using government to go after individuals. Well, here we go again. Headed into 2024, America is stuck with another bad case of Trump schmertz. At the start of this year, it was still possible to look at the facts. And again, they call what they believe factual. Because to them, it's not possible that there's a debate about this stuff. There's not possible to have any kind of subtlety. It's their facts are the facts and everything else is not. Here's their facts. Falling back into this dark place. There were reasonable exceptions that expectations that something somehow could prevent the looming rematch between Trump and Biden, who succeeded Trump, but has never been acknowledged by the ex-president and millions of his followers as America's legitimate leader. Well, wait a minute. A lot of people in Hillary's camp never accepted Donald Trump as the legitimate leader. So that's nothing new. But it's funny when they do it, it's different. There were people on both sides that didn't accept. They didn't accept Trump and they didn't accept Biden. And, the, and Hillary's people certainly didn't accept Trump. Perhaps Trump would finally face consequences for his unprecedented efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. Uh, okay, he's had consequences all along. You guys have thrown the book at him in multiple ways. But there are questions. There still are questions. Perhaps Biden, who spent the first year of his tenure more unpopular than any other president in the history of modern polling, aside from Trump, and is already the oldest leader in U.S. history, would step aside in favor of a younger Democrat rather than seek a term, but none of that happened. Again, they're not angry at Biden that much. They're just saying, see, he, he should have, but he didn't. That, that's a sense of decorum they approach with Biden. Then we mentioned the scandal that is possibly Biden trading favors with our enemies for money that could be real. They can't explain where the 10, 20 million came from. Anyway, let's go back to the article. The most extraordinary development in American politics this year, most extraordinary, was the indictment of Trump in four separate criminal cases totaling 91 alleged felonies. He is not only the first former president charged with a crime, he ends 2023 accused by the federal government of essentially mounting a coup against that government. Now, this is what's interesting. That statement, that's their factual, that's their factual manifesto. None of that is possibly political in their minds. They accept that all of those indictments, all of those alleged felonies are truthful, and he absolutely did every one of them. They don't look at Letisa James. They don't look at Jack Smith. They don't look at any of the stuff against Trump as potentially political, though it was brought by Democrats on all cases, all of them, except maybe Jack Smith, but they could be argued the way he's conducted himself because the way they looked at Trump, the way they looked at Hunter is very different. It's kind of bizarre. And yet the charges against Trump, which were hardly a foregone conclusion a year ago, served not to clarify, but to further confuse our muddled politics. Will the trials overshadow the race? Will they even take place before voting? What happens if he's convicted and wins anyway? All we can say definitively so far is the indictments proved to be a political boom for him and his, with his Republican Party. With just a few weeks until the beginning of 2024 primaries, Trump now has what looks like an insurmountable lead. When 2023 started, he was at about 46% among Republicans in the 538 average. Today, he's drawing more than 61%. You wonder why. You notice that the author never stops and goes, I wonder why. What come, what come for? He's more popular. They never stop to think he's more popular because you on the left validated and made truthful everything he said about the way you would act. 
And again, I'm not saying that as a massive Trump supporter. What I'm saying is whenever Trump gives you the opportunity to not act like what he says you act like, you validate it. And then you wonder why people go, wait a minute, he was right again? Trump was right? I don't want to admit he's right. He was right? His candidacy has been a total dud, meaning DeSantis. Trump never even had to stoop to appearing on a stage with his rivals, which proved to be so afraid of the Trump-loving Republican electorate that they rarely criticize the man. That finding mo- Again, these people don't understand Republicans. It's fascinating. They, they look at it from afar like it's, it's like looking at you know, a, a, a drive through restaurant that they think is beneath them. They really believe that Republican and Republican and, and conservatives are really beneath them intellectually. And it shows in this writing, it shows the kind of elitism that most of America has grown tired of. That's why I think that when you look at the black exodus from the Democrat Party, they're tired of it too. Hispanic exodus from the Democrat Party, they're tired. They realize now that the political left is by and large a bunch of elites that think they're better than. When the Fox News moderators asked for a show of hands as to who would support the indicted ex-president, the elephant not in the room, as Fox's Brett Baer called him, were he to receive the nomination, virtually all of them indicated they would. Needless to say, the two dissenters, Chris Christie and Asa Hutchin, have no chance. Yeah, Chris Christie's going to be gone, too. The point is, if the Democrats, if you say, if you had a bunch of Democrats on stage and you had it and you said, are you going to support Biden if he's the nominee? Of course they would. Again, the rules are different when they look at Republicans. They see that they just don't. At the year's end, the one non-Trump candidate to see her fortunes rise was former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Despite having served in Trump's cabinet, she's often described as the closest thing the party has left to its pre-Trump establishment, a hawkish Chamber of Commerce type who is neither a culture warrior nor a MAGA acolyte. Talk about defining deviancy down. Did you hear that? you hear the swarminess? Talk about defining deviancy down. Deviancy. I want to get to all of this because there's a, there's a level of swarminess in this. And I, I believe when I watch MSNBC or CNN, I watch the other networks try to get through how they portray conservatives. This is it. That's why there's very little discussion or middle ground. People say, well, just compromise. Which comp- this is what you're trying to compromise with. This is how they think of you. They think of conservatives as vermin in many instances. They're, no, they're so far beneath them. And they say it from, look at our ivory towers. Look at these people running around like cockroaches out there. They can't believe. They, I can't believe. Of course, you, it, it, then, then you just need to grow up a little bit. Chad Adams, your guest host, in for Pete Callender, who shall return next year. Sounds like a long time, doesn't it? He'll be back next year. I'm just here for now. He'll be back next year. 704-570-1110, Anyway, uh, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Uh, we were going through this, this, this column, and I think and I believe the column captures with clarity the way in which many of the progressive elites view Trump, Trump supporters, and, and conservatives to a certain extent. As long as conservatives will kiss the ring, they are the peasantry that is accepted to deal with. In other words, most conservatives from a from this level of from the, the New Yorker, from CNBC, most conservatives are the peasantry that we can negotiate with because in a negotiation between a, a progressive, and I, I've said this before, it I, I want to make sure that you understand the clarity, and it's absolutely true. Having been an elected official having written about policy for 30 years, having seen it in action, 
if I believe if, if one position is a state of freedom, complete freedom, utter freedom, almost anarchistic freedom, and the the other position is putting limits on that freedom, then let's apply let's apply a worldview to those two points. And the worldview of the complete freedom would be the more conservative case. I, I want the freedom to invest my money where I want to. I want the freedom to earn my money. I want the freedom to keep my money. The other side would say, no, I want to do things with government. I want to do more with government. And so every negotiation becomes, between left and right, a negotiation away from freedom for the most part. Now, they would argue abortion is a different issue. They think abortion is birth control, I guess. I, I don't know. But that's that's a different issue. But for the most part, that's the distinction. And so the left thinks that it's always doing good, that government is an instrument of good. And thus, it when it does things, it does it for good reasons. And so depriving you of your liberty is for the, the betterment of all. Trump had a way of, of, of codifying things and, and, and fulfilled their view that the right is a, full of miscreant thugs, and Trump personifies that. So back to the column from The New Yorker. And, and they said, you know, Haley, and we'll get to Haley, Haley really screwed up a few days ago on, on a question on a radio interview and also in an audience in New Hampshire about the cause of the Civil War, and she completely goofed it. And so, and I'll get to that in a later story. But in this New Yorker article, they say, well, Trump, of course, couldn't re- resist the chance to dunk on Haley, not ready for prime time, he crowned in response to her Civil War flub. Uh, Trump has ended the year, meanwhile, striking his usual statesman-like note in a Christmas Day social media post. His message to his opponents was, may they rot in hell, followed by the incongruous but nevertheless perfectly Trumpy, again, Merry Christmas. What that failed to say is Trump was very specific about the people who want to destroy America, may they rot in hell. Now, I wouldn't, I don't agree with it. Most people don't agree with Trump's statements along that line when they're deeply personal. And I tried to explain to my, a friend of mine who was going down this road. And I, and I said, because he was, he was in the same, in this, they're, they're very much identical, the thought process of people who despise him. And, and I said, imagine yourself as him. So you've been extremely successful in life. You've, you've redone the New York skyline. You, you've, you've, you've created thousands of jobs. You, and then you find yourself in the political world, and you somehow win an election, improbably, improbable though it may be, against the, the coronation of Hillary Clinton. And you instantly become the ire of the left in a way that no other American in the history of the country has found themselves. The persecution of him, his family, his, I mean, all of them, the kids, the way they treated his wife— I mean, Trump brings plenty on himself, but they used every governmental opportunity at their disposal. They used the power of government to persecute him. And I said, if that was directed at you, how would you res- would you just lay down and kiss the ring? Would you or would you fight back? The, the, what what upset the left is he fought back. Now, you could not like him, but you have to admit that also. What the, that in many ways Trump is a creation of what the left has done to him. They morphed him into what he is then, and they elevated him to a position in in the American psyche that they created. They create. It's a very Frankenstein. You guys created it. You don't like what you created, and you think you can take it back, and you can't. But back to the to the column. 
Uh, you know, Trump over the spring and summer allowed himself to reinvent his campaign around the narrative of his persecution. True. Revenge was his mission well in advance of the court cases. Not true. We'll talk about that. 2024 was always going to be about seeking payback. The list of wrongs never mattered as much as the fact that he would have a litany of them to recite. The rigged election, the martyrdom of his supporters who stormed the Capitol on January 6th and were sent to jail for it, his own undermining by the deep state. Again, all of those things happened. But it's if people used government as an abusive way, damn right they should be. They should be exposed. They should be. There should be payback for that. You should never be able to use the FBI just like J. Edgar Hoover did. That was horrific. And that's the way Democrats use, have used law enforcement against parents, have used law enforcement against them in school board meetings, have stormed people's 65-year-old Roger Stone to use SWAT teams to go after a 70-year-old dude. It's obscene. More of this. There's so much more of this, and but I think it's a great lesson for us to learn from. So I'm in the break, and I'm just doing my thing and reading. It's what I do. I kind of peruse things and as I'm, I'm calming down. And I see the headline from the New York Post, Devil Comet Hurtling Towards Earth Will Erupt Tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, that one, you got my attention. Well done. Well placed. And it's about a comet that circles about every 71 years. It'll be closest to Earth in spring of 2024, but it's likely to have an outburst. It won't be visible to the naked eye until spring of 2024. But, you know, hurtling towards Earth, it's, that's like, you know, saying, you know, I threw a rock and it went towards the Atlantic Ocean from, you know, 80 miles away or something. So just interesting. But I've been going through this piece of The New Yorker, I, and I, I'm plowing through it to help folks understand the way the progressive left sees not just Trump, but the conservative movement vis-a-vis Trump. Because it's one of the, it's one of the difficulties uh, that, that that Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley find themselves grasping with is they want to portray themselves as conservatives, and they are by and large they are conservatives. Nikki Haley's a little more wonky. Uh, DeSantis has been a, a stellar governor for Florida. If you're a conservative, I'm not going to put put him down. Um, but they they have to walk delicately because most of Trump supporters feel in many ways that he was disenfranchised. And that feeling is not is is going away. No one can step into that. Now it would be different if 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 Trump world you know rallied around a given candidate and said, "Hey, we've got to do this, this, this," and they kind of played kingmaker. But they're but not Trump is the candidate they're going to support, and it's not going to go away. So that lead's not going to diminish. The only hope the left has is to put him in jail. I guess it's, it's bizarre. But back to the New Yorker piece. So he talked about um, that that. Trump, the people that were put in jail, that Trump was excited about, you know, he's he's going to pay back. He's going to use government to destroy people. And she literally says, you know, the list of wrongs never mattered as much as the fact that he would have a litany of them to recite and he would uh, seek payback. And they're missing that maybe people did. Maybe people on the progressive side used government in a way they shouldn't have. If And if they abuse that, it's one of the lowest forms of anti-American ways of being. You're using government in a way that America, but by the way, the, the founding of this country was, was a rejection of a government going too far against them. And that's the kind of bizarre nature of this is liberals, progressives never see that government went too far with Trump or that Congress went too far or that government and the persecution of him went too far. Everything is justified. If, if someone in Maine, one secretary of state wants to remove him from the ballot, that's OK with them. If the Supreme Court of Colorado, that's a seven 
seven votes, all Democrats, and three of them rejected before him said, yes, if those four people want to remove Trump, that's okay with them. If one person in every state in a position of power use that power to remove Trump from the ballot, that is the ends justify the means way for the progressives to go, we dodged that bullet. They never recognize that it's a very un-American way, and they, they want to deprive you of having the opportunity to vote. Now, think if they pick and cho- chose all the candidates. For all you DeSantis supporters, maybe they don't like DeSantis, they should remove him. So Trump saying this is the final battle, they call that messianic, that they try to say Trump's trying to be messianic. The audience cheered and hooted and clapped. They were like the bulk of the Republican Party, not never Trumpers, but always Trumpers. The story of 2023 turned out to be not the GOP search for another Trump, but the persistent preference of a large majority of Republicans for the one they already have. By the way, there are many in both state houses and senates and and in Congress that agree with the the policies of the Trump administration. They do. A strong country, uh, the the projection of strength to, for our country abroad, the, the, the security of the borders, a government getting out of the way and letting the economy grow, bringing American jobs back. But if the Trump schmerz, that's the word they've, they've created, it, it's about the, the, the anxiety that Trump creates for them, is our destiny again. The ex-president has also benefited from his foes. DeSantis, despite the early hype uh, from the donor class, proved that negative charisma and terrible political judgment are not enough to run for president. Um, but you know what? It's always uh, – I think, Tom, we had a call, Tom. Is that right? Oh, you're back. Never mind. I'm going to keep going. Yeah, yeah, I'm so, back. We're good. He thought he was going to ride a tax on Mickey Mouse to the White House. Seriously, remember when DeSantis went after Disney? Again, they make fun of DeSantis. They make fun of everything. Biden's miscalculation was not about Trump. The, the president has always been dead serious about the threat. What is the threat? They never articulate what the threat that Trump posed. They try to lead you to believe he's going to become a dictator. He's going to destroy the Constitution. None of that in the first four years of his presidency did he do. He didn't. And if they'll ever have a trial about January 6th, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Having aspired for the better part of four decades to the office he improbably won on his third try, Biden has been reluctant to relinquish it in favor of a younger Democrat. His theory of the case seems to be rooted in his belief that he and he alone can stop Trump. But that rationale has become harder to sustain as his polling gets worse. At the end of the year, Biden is at best tied with Trump, has and real clear politics has him down 2.3 points. Again, the weirdness of this is no, none of the progressives, and, and they don't, they don't see Biden as other than his age. They don't see any of his way of being or his policies as being problematic. In fact, they kind of embrace it. In fact, he's doing great with the green stuff. He's doing great with these big government and using government the way he is. They, they like that. And I'm not, I'm not embellishing this. This is true. Notice that they just criticized him for not getting out of the way. They didn't criticize Bidenomics. They didn't criticize the border. They don't criticize the weakness abroad. They don't criticize the destabilized economy. They don't, they don't criticize any of that. Just that he didn't pick someone younger. Trump's victory is by no means assured. That's true. I agree 100% with that. It may well be that predictions of him winning in 2024 will turn out to be just as wrong as the forecasts of a recession were at the start of 2023. Notice they like that. And we did have a mini recession. And we're still in troubled waters, by the way. The left doesn't want to admit that. But the past few years of Trump, Trump, Trump has taught me, the writer, if nothing else, that hoping for the best is not necessarily a winning strategy with American democracy on the line. That's not true. Democracy is, they're trying to trump that up. It's not on the line. 
It's more on the and again, having an honest discussion about this, it's more on the line for the left because they do want to reject, reject the founding fathers. They're the ones that have a beef with the founding of the country. They're the ones that think the country is unfair. They're the ones that think everything is rigged against certain groups that nobody can ever get ahead, that somehow our country is a racist, bigoted, homophobic nation. And it's not really worth defending. How do I know that? Look at the southern border. They haven't cared about defending that. But Trump, Trump, Trump has taught us that hoping is not the best. American democracy is on the line. I'm taking the only defensible position toward the new year. Full-scale dread. I plan to pull up the covers and hide under my pillow as long as possible come January. It's going to be a long 12 months. That's how, that's how they see it. They're, they're that. The same people that mask their kids are the same people that have this fear of Donald Trump. It's, 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 it's a true pitchforks and set him on fire fear. They see him as an absolute monster instead of someone that they should debate on policy, instead of someone they should challenge on the issues. They just want to. In fact, that would make me concerned about the personal safety. I would think they would love to take him. I mean, that sounds terrible, but I think this kind of way of projecting this level of fear and animus is a way to get someone unhinged enough to take him out. I don't want to say that. I don't want to believe that. But that's the way it looks. Much more to go an hour or two as we're getting ready to find out. And as always, we appreciate you being part of our broadcast here at News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110, the phone numbers. We're going to take a break. Hour two, getting ready to be in the way. Stay tuned.